Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. You've discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat Podcast. Now, here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of the PowerCat Insiders Podcast, brought to you by Blue Mark Energy, Tim Fitzgerald, Matt Walters, your regular twosome, or if we're regular, I don't know about that. And joined today by Jay Heydrich, former Kansas State basketball player, and Ryan Gilbert, the beat writer slash something for GoPowerCat.com that covers basketball. You're not really the beat writer. I don't know what you are, Gills, but... Uh, you, I don't know what I am either. You uh, you kind of help out with basketball. You and Michael Go-Go-Goins, who goes by Gonzi, but whatever. He's Go-Go. Like I said, we're sponsored by Blue Mark Energy. Does your company or your employer spend $4,000 or more a year on energy bills? Would you like to reduce those costs by 25% or more and maintain the same level of service and reliability? If so, it's time to speak with Blue Mark Energy. Blue Mark Energy, K-State owned and K-State proud. Well, let's just dive in, guys. Kansas State took on TCU on Saturday, fell behind by as much as 18 in the first half. A dreadful start for the Wildcats. They did get it back to even there in the second half and um, then uh, kind of ran out of gas, losing 67-60 to 60 to the Horned Frogs. The alarming thing here for me, and Matt, I want you to start with this, is that uh, Kansas State was clearly the inferior team in this game. I mean, you could just see it. It looked like TCU was better put together, more talented. And it was TCU picked ninth and K-State 10th. So these are supposedly the two worst teams in the Big 12. I got news for you. If TCU's ninth in this conference, this conference is absolutely loaded outside of Kansas State because I thought the Frogs were pretty good. Yeah, they've got some good-looking athletes. Uh, they've got one of the better freshmen in the Big 12, uh, without a doubt, and Mike Miles. Um, you know, I think early on, especially, uh, you know, the first 10, 12 minutes of the ball game, TC was obviously the, the team that executed. You know, Kansas State right now, is they're, they're falling in love with the three early on. In their last three games, they've shot 88 threes. And I don't know that this is a team that should be averaging – um, nearly 33 is a ball game. Uh, it's it's something that you know they they shoot a lot of threes, they get in a hole, and then they come back. You know they they struggled to get by Omaha right before the the start of the new year. They shot a ton of threes in that ball game. So uh, it's a team that again is trying to find its way. It's not going to be easy. There'll be moments of, of very good play, and then there'll be stretches where you know they they don't do a whole lot right and that's for this basketball team they just they don't have that ability to make up for their offensive struggles in a in a short amount of time um you know you, you've got to have that ability to put your foot down and and not let a seven point lead grow to 12 and this team just doesn't have that right now they're not good enough offensively most days most nights to 
you know, just light it up. So I know Bruce has talked about stop shooting the three as much as, as they have, but they haven't done that quite yet. And, and, you know, the big 12 is really good. If, like you said, Fitz, if TCU's the ninth best team in this conference, uh, the Big 12 is going to be awfully difficult. It's going to be a long couple of months. Yeah, it should be. It, and I'm warning people, it's going to be. Because Iowa State, uh, K-State caught Iowa State on the appropriate night when they opened Big 12 play, but I think Iowa State's pretty good too, and they were picked eighth. So going to see Oklahoma State later uh, this week on Saturday, and they were picked seventh. So it just uh, you're seeing the good end of the schedule for the most part. Of course, the Cats are at Texas Tech on Tuesday, and the Red Raiders are very good. Jay, those three-pointers, oh, my God, quit shooting. 27% right now from three-point range. That translates to 24 or 25 points on those 30 per game, and that is not a very good return on your investment at all. Um you know, if you just get it inside and, you know, Davion Bradford shooting 65%, he wouldn't take all 30 of those shots. But it translates to a lot more points by taking different, better shots that are twos instead of threes. It's hard to explain that to young guys who want to hit those glory threes, but they're not hitting them. They're missing an awful lot. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the the thing that's really frustrating is not only the number, but the context in which they take them. So if you're... How many? How many of, the, uh, of these threes that we're taking are in the first 15 seconds of the shot clock, first 10 seconds of the shot clock, or off a of first pass, or um, conversely, at the end of the shot clock, where you know you're you're just jacking up something, trying to get a shot up after you dribbled out the the shot clock at the top of the key, just pounding the ball in the perimeter without making any any real movement. And, you know, this has been a, a continual problem in not, not only this year, but in years past. And, um, and, and it's something that, that particularly as a young team, they're going to have to fix because they, they, they're not in a spot where um, they, they, can, they can make the shots that they're taking right now. Um, you know, it's the old Bill Raffrey million-dollar move, five-cent finish line. And, and, and that's what we have. You can take all the step-back jumpers in the world you want. You can take all the pull-of-threes you want. But if they don't go in, it might as well be a turnover. And, in fact, in a lot of these cases, it might be better just to throw the ball to the band because at least you can get your defense set up. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And I, I like the band, too. Is the band even there? I don't even know. Uh, a couple. <clears throat> hey, Gills, hold on. I want to follow up with, with Jay on something. You said something there that uh, that popped out to me, that uh, this has been a pretty common theme for Bruce Weber teams. They shoot the three a lot. And I'll be blunt here. It comes back to... His system doesn't have a well-formed offense. There doesn't seem to be – he's now calling a lot of plays to try to get these guys in a groove. Uh, But a lot of it is go make buckets. That's the way it feels to me, and they don't get enough bucket getters. So it's very frustrating to watch. And and I think part of that, too, is just execution and discipline as well. And, um, you know, and and I'll I'll use a comparison, you know, we'll we'll use Duke or if you want to, you know, I'll get vilified, but if you want to look at KU, what's what's really, those are two teams that take a lot of three-point shots. Uh, But when you look at the systems and the schemes when they run, um, they have excellent spacing on the floor. They make excellent cuts. They pass the ball well. They set good screens. There's nothing wrong with taking 25, 26 three-pointers in a game if it's in the right context of which you take them. 
And um, if if Nigel Pack or Selton Miguel, any of our perimeter guys, if, if if we work the ball around, it's gone inside, it's kicked out to skip, and you're open for a three that you can step into, you should shoot that shot. You're a Division One Power Five player. You should be able to shoot and make that shot. Uh, but when when you're talking about some of the Steph Curry stuff that that we try to throw up every once in a while, there's you know that's why Steph Curry, Steph Curry, and we don't have Steph Curry on this team. Um, so it, it, it is it, it is something that has plague, and, and, and it comes down to execution. If if you can't set good screens to get people open, if you can't cut hard, or I should say won't, uh, as opposed to can't, uh, if, if you're if you're not doing those things to get you better shots, then you're going to be left with the jack up three at the end of the shot clock or, or whatever you can get, which aren't particularly high percent shots. We have to grind every basket out, and and that and that's and that's. A, it's hard to watch uh, if you're a fan, and B, it's hard to play if you're a player because it, you're just working so hard on the offensive end to get nothing and then have to go back and defend on the other end as well too and guard teams that are cutting and moving and screening and those things. Yep, I agree with all of that. Uh, one of the best three-pointers K-State's taken in recent history was the Mike McGurl drive to dish it back out to Selden Miguel to hit the three-pointer that proved to be decisive against Omaha. That's a great look. And it wasn't by chance. That was one of the few shots he made that night. It was because he caught it in rhythm. It was coming inside out. And everything was perfectly executed on that play. We don't see much of that. Gills, I was away from my television at the very start of Saturday's game with TCU. So I was listening to Wyatt and Stan call the game. And they do a great job, but I couldn't quite grasp how bad K-State was in those early stages. They were stuck on nine points for a very long time. How dreadful was that to watch in person? Yeah, I mean, you guys have pretty much touched on it, how it was it was not the prettiest of games. But, the, you know, the start was bad and, and really dug themselves a hole that they couldn't get out of for the rest of the game. But, um, you know, I think a few positives um, that you can maybe take away was that you know, Pack and Bradford were in foul trouble. I know that's not a positive, but if you look at that, you say, yeah, they're freshmen um, moving forward. Maybe that that's something they can get corrected. If they do have those two young guys, they might have a better chance to win this game. Um, also, I think Dejuan Gordon played really well. Um, he had, you know, a ton of just hustle plays, grabbing loose balls, getting them extra possessions, you know, offensive rebounds. I think Gordon played well. Um, and then even just, the free throws, that's the biggest thing, though. We talk a lot about chucking up 25 threes a game. Only seven free throws for K-State. If they want to correct this and get some wins now, you know, we look at the Iowa State game. Gordon was, what, 11 for 11, I believe, from the free throw line. So that proved to be huge in that game. Only seven trips for the entire team. You're not going to win many games with that recipe. So overall, um, I think there's a few positives to take away. You know, McGurl had a few big shots. You know, I, I feel like K-State was kind of just one or two plays away from really getting, you know, into this game and taking a lead. I remember, you know, Pack hit back-to-back threes, and then he would have hit a third three in a row if Bradford wasn't whistled for that offensive foul where he kind of stuck out his foot or his knee. Um, and that waved off another three from Pack. So overall, I think K-State was, you know, clawing their way back into it. They just couldn't get over the hump. Well, uh, TCU shot 22 free throws, hitting 18. Very efficient for the Frogs. K-State only shot seven free throws in the entire game. And that isn't because of officiating. That is because of a lack of execution, a lack of dribble penetration, and settling for those threes. Matt, it's, it's not 
exactly great to watch, as Jay mentioned. Well, again, you're you're living life right now with a lot of freshmen and some sophomores, and that's just not it's just not easy. But I want to go back to something that, that Jay said. You know, we've talked about shooting the threes, and and I agree. And have talked about it. it's one thing if you're taking those threes within the rhythm of offense. It's one thing if you've got guys that are you know your consistent three point shooters. One thing that will change. I would think will be, and we still don't know when it's going to be, but is when Luke Kasubke becomes eligible because that that guy is your sniper. The problem is he hadn't played. We don't know what kind of defense he's going to play, what kind of shape he's going to be in because it's going to take a while. So, you know, his impact remains to be seen. But one solution that I, I continue to wonder about is uh, K-State's not bad in transition. And I would like to see them do more in transition to really push it because, you know, you mentioned Fitz, Bruce Weber calls a lot of plays. He has to because he doesn't have a team yet that when it comes down the floor may know what to run. He's got a freshman point guard. And right now that's the guy you want taking those three point shots more often than not. I love what Nigel Pack's doing, even though he's just a freshman, but I want to see K-State when they get a steal, when they get, you know, when they get a pilfer, get out and run, try to get some easy points, get to the foul line that way. Um, and K-State just doesn't have, um, you know, they, they don't have a lot to show for it. Against TCU, K-State had four fast break points. Against Omaha, K-State had 10 fast break points. Uh, and I'm going to go back one more game to Jacksonville. And in that game, K-State had 18 fast break points. They took advantage of it against the Dolphins. So personally, I think K-State needs to get out and run more because I think they'll be more effective. They'll get easier buckets, and they'll probably get some and-ones and get to the line a little bit more. And, Jay, that relaxes you. You get some easy points, then those possessions that kind of drag out, as you mentioned, are less painful because you have points on the board. Yeah, and – Ryan made a good point about getting to the line. I mean, if you're struggling shooting the ball, get to the line and see the ball go through the hoop. Um, that th- Those are things that, that really help shooters. You know, man, I, I can't agree more with your statement. I would love to see K-State do a number of things to try and uh, speed the tempo up. You know, let's do some three-quarter court, uh, half-court trap or some run and jump. Are we going to give up some buckets that way? Yeah, absolutely. We're going to give up buckets, but at the same time too, you may get some steals. You may force them. You're going to up the tempo up because what we've shown so far this year is that we struggle just pounding the ball in the half court, trying to get a shot. If we can uh, transition into uh, a quicker shot and get more possessions in the game, uh, I think that that's going to lead to, to 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 more efficiency or at least more points. Because the one thing K State is is they are athletic. Um, they're young, but they are athletic and they do have length. And and they, I think that they have an opportunity to uh, to do that. You know, Fitz, you mentioned how TCU just looked like the bigger, better team. We're going to see that every game because we're, we're we're going up as the quote Frank Martin. We're playing grown men. You know, we're facing 21, 22 year old. Uh, men with, you know, 18, 19 year old kids that went to prom last year. And so uh, we're, we're going to be the smaller team, the less developed team. So we've got to figure out ways to um, uh, score the buck, score the ball and, and create offense outside of just, um, just trying to uh, line up and, um, you know, to use a football term, three yards and a clot of dirt. 
Uh, Jay, they didn't go to prom. It's COVID. So I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to just, I'm going to mute you now. Yeah, it was virtual. A virtual prom. Yeah, that's kind of the way mine was too, but that's a different story. Um, I, I, I totally agree. Get up and down. And one of the things I like about this team is you've got big men who can run. I mean, this isn't like uh, you got a big, you know, Kevin Samuel. Yeah, he's he's a great player. I like him. He fits a role for TCU. Uh, he's, you know, a big guy in the middle, but I wouldn't want to be running up and down with him. Davion Bradford moves surprisingly well. Carlton Lingard can get up and down the floor. And even Casey Eziagu, when he's available uh, before the knee, he was getting up and down. So you can get into the open court, break the defense, I've said this about Bruce Weber teams for a long time is uh, score before they can set up. Because once they set up their defense, you're not in an advantageous position. It's just the way his offensive teams have been so far. I feel like there's guys on this defense, Nigel Pack, Sultan Miguel, when he completes his game and gets his left hand developed, uh, they will create shots. They will. But. Gills, they have to get the ball inside more. Davion Bradford has to make himself more available. Flash in the post. And the great thing about him is he he will catch the ball, and he generally makes good decisions. He's shooting 65% from the field. And uh, those previous two games where they took 31, 32, three-pointers each, he hardly scored. Why? Because they're not getting the ball inside. They're just throwing it at the rim over the top of him, and he's not there. He's Maybe someday he'll develop into the guy that go gets the ball and dunks it. He's not that now. Get him the ball, and if he can't shoot it, the ball's going to come back out for a much better look at three. Gills? Yeah, and going off your point as well, Logan Landers coming in next season. He's another big man that's got quickness and can do a little bit of everything. But at the same time, he can still be, you know, a strong presence down low. So, I mean, it's like you said, Jay, really just seeing the ball go through the net. You know, in football, you can't just have a, you know, a passing offense or running offense. You've got to be balanced. And, you know, once once things start clicking, you know, everything opens up. So, you know, you got Nigel Pack, when he gets the ball one-on-one, um, in a fast break, I'm confident that he's going to score, and usually he does. And, and same thing with McGurl. he's going to draw a foul. Uh, um, you know, you know, Gordon's uh, Dejuan Gordon's you know strong spot simply is not shooting the three. So when he gets you know driving to the basket, I'm confident in that. So I mean, yeah, you guys are totally right. You know, getting to the basket, drawing fouls, and um, trying to speed up the game. And I know that that's not Bruce Weber's style of play. It's never really been. But you know, when <laughs> when the shots aren't falling. Um, the offensive sets, you know, aren't really really working out. I think it's not a bad idea to just start pushing it. Saturday's loss to TCU dropped K State to five and six overall, one and two in the Big Twelve. They're off to Texas Tech on Tuesday for a very challenging game against the Red Raiders. But I remind you that that one win came on the road. Jay, what do you make of this? Uh, so many teams are winning on the road. It, it's almost like you're at a better advantage. Uh, greater advantage if you are on the road than at home. It's insane. It's almost like the the crowd isn't there to intimidate the opposing team, nor the officials. Um, and I think we saw that played out dramatically at Allen Fieldhouse when Texas won by 25 points over the Jayhawks. This is crazy. You're almost more comfortable on the road right now. Yeah, I think you're going to see more and more of that because if there's no crowd there, then it's almost like another practice right you, you spend so much time in the building and i've said for years that you know allen fieldhouse is a special place to play basketball but what makes it a special place for the people otherwise it's just a dump 
And uh, um, I think you're going to see that a little bit more. And, you know, uh, uh, Greg Gurley and Brian Haney talked about that a lot on the broadcast. We were driving back from my parents' house on Saturday, listening to that game, and, and they made they made the same point. Um, you know, one of the things I think is really interesting in talking with my wife about that um, in the car is she has zero sympathy for any of these people because uh, from her standpoint, women athletes have been having to create their own energy for years. They've never had full gyms to be able to go out. And, and from her standpoint, if, if you're a home, if you're at the home team and you can't get yourself motivated and ready to play, regardless if there's a crowd there or not, if you need 12,000 people in the stands to get you ready to play, then you don't deserve to be out there. Right. I couldn't couldn't agree with that more. You know, it, it's it's like JJ Watt said. You know, it's a privilege to be at this level and play. And, and if if you can't show up and go to practice and play hard and do that, then um, then you don't deserve to be out there. So it'll be really interesting to see how some of these blue blood programs who are used to having, you know, people chant their names and and revere everything they do and things like that, how they respond to um, just silence and I think that you're going to see you know a, a team like K-State that has pretty good crowds for um, for Big 12 games historically but their non their non-con crowds are, are, are pretty thin a lot of times you know they're used to not playing in front of full gyms and and I think that there's a number of teams in the Big 12 that, that are like that as well TCU being one and I think that you'll see some uh, some teams that are that are used to playing more with silence than they are with noise. Very good. This is the PowerCat Insiders Podcast. We're sponsored by Blue Mark Energy, and we'll be back right on the other side of this break as we discuss more of – we're going to find some positives about K-State men's basketball. We're going to ask Matt about the pause on the women's side of things, and the K-State football program picks up a legacy commitment from another locket. We'll be right back. The PowerCat Podcast will be right back. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We now send it back to the PowerCat Podcast. 
Welcome back to the PowerCat Insiders podcast, the podcast in which we talk to the people who cover and know K-State sports and get their opinions on what's going on with the Cats. And K-State basketball continues to struggle. We knew that would be the case this year. On the football side, of course, the Wildcats did not participate in a bowl game. They opted out um, instead of going to a contest that probably was for the best, but they did pick up some good news this weekend. Matt, let's start here. The women are on a pause, a prolonged pause due to COVID. What is the latest with the women's basketball program? Well, they did not play Saturday at Oklahoma. They were slated to host West Virginia Tuesday night. That one's postponed as well. Um, And then after that, if K-State does come back indeed this week then they get Baylor this weekend uh, on the road so yeah that's uh it's that can be a little bit uncomfortable considering what Baylor's been for a while so you know they're they're on pause you know I'll tell you a team that's that's had it much worse is the KU women's program uh, they're they're back on pause again so it's you know it's like the weather wait five minutes it's going to change you just hope that you know this is the only time this year it happens the Kansas State they're going to wind up you know, having to, to make up these two games later on. So that will be, uh, you know, it could be a little more difficult. But I uh, want everybody to get healthy and we'll, we'll see what transpires. Man, this is a, a weird, weird year. I think we've all learned whether it's sports or life, you just have to persist through it. Jay, you've had the COVID and it's not fun. It's not fun at all. Uh, before we get to more K-State stuff, though, Jay, I want your opinion on this. The NCAA announced the kind of format for the NCAA tournament. It's all going to be in Indianapolis this year. Fascinating. They have so many courts there. Honestly, it's something they could replicate in Kansas City if they ever needed to do it again. Um, but Indianapolis, being the NCAA headquarters, uh, it should still be Kansas City, but that's another topic, Uh It's a good setup, and it's really cool how they're going to do it. They have a backup space. They have a Lucas Oil Stadium, whatever it is, that they're going to actually have two courts on that will play not not at the same time, but they can start up the next game as soon as the first one is over. It's going to be very interesting. All 68 teams, I assume, will be in Indianapolis from the get-go, and the ones that go to the Final Four will be there for three full weeks. Incredible. Yeah, I actually um, texted a little bit about this with Jared Sutton and a couple other people uh, as far as Big 12 play, about how um, this is back this summer when we didn't quite know where everything was going to be headed. But if you wanted to um, put teams in Kansas City for the month of uh, late December through early February, you're not missing a whole lot of school. You get the majority of Big 12 out of, out of the way. You could play it at the Hy-Vee Arena where they have multiple courts, um, no fans, um, be able to at least get the games in. So this concept, I think, is something that you know, we've seen it work in the NBA. We've seen it work um, in, in, in Major League Baseball, at least as far as creating a, a bubble-like atmosphere. And you know, I, I I think it sh- it's going to show a testament of what these kids and these coaches and people associated with the programs have been. And, and Matt, I don't know if you're a tier one um, uh, person or not, but you know, the, from, from broadcasters all the way down to equipment managers to other people, um, you're asking kids to – basketball's hard. I mean, college athletics is hard. People talk about football program and things like that. And, yeah, those kids have sacrificed too, but – 
basketball's been in this since football and you know they're, they're coming off christmas break where they may or may not have been able to go home no one's on campus right now and then they're going to go into um uh playing more games and you know it, as teams make the ncaa tournament now they're going to have to go and be isolated and so they it's literally more like a job than it otherwise is and so when when, when people are critical of student athletes of um, for, for whatever reason of effort or for you know not not sacrificing, I, I don't think that any of us could do what we're asking these student athletes to do uh, on a daily basis to uh, for our enjoyment. And I think it's underappreciated because there's many things that are going on in in, in the world right now, and, and as much havoc as COVID is is causing. Thank God we have sports. I mean because. Yeah, I, I get to watch K-State football. I get to watch K-State basketball, you know, and, and it's and it's largely because, if not entirely, because of the sacrifices that these kids and these staff members are making to allow us to play. And I don't think that, you know, I think there needs to be a lot of gratitude that everybody put put forth to these kids for, for what they're doing, um, not only on the court, but to just be able to get to the court in the first place. We are sponsored by Blue Mark Energy. It's a natural gas products and services provider serving feed yards, hospitals, hotels, manufacturers, and school districts throughout the Midwest. And Blue Mark Energy is a natural gas provider for the Kansas State campuses in Manhattan and Salina. Blue Mark Energy, K-State owned and K-State proud. Let's talk real briefly here about football recruiting. 2022 recruiting is underway. Matt Sterling Lockett. We suspected Kevin Lockett's next son would be a K-State Wildcat. It's just kind of a relief that he is a K-State Wildcat. The fourth Lockett now in the family started with Kevin, then his brother Aaron, and, of course, son Tyler, and now Sterling, who uh, is a kind of a hybrid of all three. It's interesting. Uh, but he is a 2022 recruit and has committed to K-State. There are not enough Lockett's in the world for me. I just wish he was as tall as his dad. <laughs> we need need a little more size on the edge, but uh, yeah, a lot of people were ecstatic to see him verbally uh, commit to Kansas State. But um, you know, Lockett and K State football are synonymous with one another, and uh, you know, you want him to stay uh, stay healthy as he moves along. But um, you know, good for him. Uh, it's it, he'll fit in perfectly. Uh, when you when you get a locket, you know what you're getting, ex- uh, you know exactly uh, the, the kind of player that fits in Manhattan. So uh, it's a win-win for both sides, I think. Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, we have highlights of him up at 24/7 Sports. Head over to GoPowerCat.com. What I mean by he's kind of a hybrid of the rest of his family. He's a little bit smaller, not as small as Tyler, but he has that catch radius that his father had. So you see traits of both of them when you see some highlights of him. Uh, has some physical development to do, to make, but it's really exciting. Um, if I know one thing about a locket, he's going to work extremely hard and be as good as possible, and that's always a good theme to have in the locker room. Okay, Ryan Gilbert, let's shift back to men's basketball here. Um, I'm really pleased with Dejuan Gordon. Uh, he has, seems to be a guy who's finding what his game is about. He still romanticizes too much about three pointers uh, because um, I, I don't I don't see that from his shot. You know, there's some guys that can make three pointers even though they got a hitch in their shot. I I don't see how he's ever going to be consistent from three point range with that shot. But okay, but he is getting 
around the court and doing a lot of dirty work. He's rebounding. He's getting loose balls. He's defending. And you mentioned the Iowa State game when he got to the free throw line. That's the key for Dejuan Gordon. Just get to the rim, get fouled, and get to the free throw line. It's not as sexy as three-pointers, but they count. One point at a time, you hit enough of them, and you're in double figures like it was at Iowa State. I'm really happy four days, Juan, but uh, I think we're only scratching the surface with this kid. Yeah, and to, to kind of take the words out of your mouth a little bit, I know you said this a lot, that he needs to realize that he's not the superstar. And, yeah, you were – you know, the number one, you know, rated player out of Chicago in your class. That's awesome. That's great. But it's a different game in college and sometimes you got to adjust. So if he can figure out that, you know, getting to the basket is is what he needs to do um, as well as being a leader on and off the court for those young guys, then, then I'm super happy with him. Um, you know, I saw him, this was after the Jacksonville game or one of those games a few weeks back, go after, um, back onto the court, getting some shots up. And then he missed like five in a row from three pointer, just wide open, you know, practice shots. I'm like, okay, if he's not making these ones, what, you know, what tells Bruce Weber that he's going to make those in the real game. So if they go in great, I know he made one or two against the horn frogs, but overall, you know, like I mentioned, he needs to be just that hustle guy to make plays. He's kind of in a way, I think has some, some potential to be how Mike McGurl was young in his career, just kind of making those plays, giving them a bucket when they need it most, um, in providing good energy as well. So, yeah, I'm happy for, for what he's doing. Uh, I think Montavious, he's, he's been injured. He's been banged up. So it's kind of hard to you know measure how um, good or bad he has been. He didn't do much against the Horned Frogs, but it was his first game back. So, you know, you can't be crit- critical of him for that. And then you've got Antonio Gordon, who's, I don't know, he's been inconsistent this year. There were a few games where I'm like, Antonio, great job. And then there's been some other ones where, he, you know, just kind of makes you scratch your head at some of the things he does. But he was, you know, perfect from the field um, in the, was it the Jacksonville game a few weeks back as well. So, you know, overall, I think Dejuan is you know, a year or two from now really going to um, come out of this class. And we're going to look at him and say that was, you know, um, that was the fine for Weber and his staff. He's he's come out and he's been the best. Jay, for me, Jay Zwan's no different than a lot of other guys on this team. It's about shot selection. On Saturday, he had 18 points, led the team. He had seven rebounds. He's been great rebounding the ball. That's actually a low total for him this year. He was 7 of 13 from the field, but 2 of 6 from 3. Let's do the math here real quick. That means he was 5 of 7 from inside the arc. Five of seven, young man. Go shoot those shots. Those are the shots you make. And if you if you attack the rim, you're also going to get free throws out of it. Um, just kind of editing your own game is so crucial. But uh, I don't. I want you be the shot doctor. Is he ever going to fix his shot? Does that shot look like one that's going to be consistent from three to you? I mean, no, he's got he's got some work that he has to do, as all young kids do. And I think that we saw with Wes Awundu, you know, a, a transformation that, that can occur. But I do think Dejuan's done a really good job over the past few weeks. You know, we talked about this in mid-December before the break that, um, you know, of him needing to get the to the hole more. And I talked about him, you know, essentially modeling his game off more of Barry Brown, of attacking and, and using a three-point shot as a supplement rather than a primary weapon. And I think you're seeing more of that. Um, I think that um, uh, he, he's done a better job of trying to attack the rim, but the rebounding I think is, is, is what's really been impressive. And at the bottom, at the end of the day, 
it just comes down to he's playing hard. Yeah. You know, and and we can talk about shot selection. We can talk about, you know, offensive strategies, things like that. But good things happen when you play hard. And you want you want easy baskets. How many times has Dejuan got a tip in or an offensive rebound that kicks out that may or may not lead to a bucket, but at least another opportunity. And so he's he's doing a lot of good things for the team that just you know fall under you know just just playing hard. And um, and it, it, if if more if if he can be that leader and more kids can can I mean, you're seeing it on, on, off and on on more kids, but more consistently just going hard all the time on every possession, I think you're going to see a lot more good things happen for the team. Fitzy, uh, for those of you that have either, have either been at the game like like Brian has or if you're noticing on TV, you know what the little signs say under all the chairs and various places at Libman about cleaning up the floor and the mops and so forth? That's what Dejuan's turning into. And, and what Jay said... I think is, and Ryan's mentioned it too, I think it's spot on is that you you see, Dejuan, when I say this, this is maybe not the greatest analogy in the world, but a snake sheds its skin, right? And I think you're starting to see Dejuan shed some of the, the, the bad skin. He's not a great three-point shooter. To me, you, I think I've got a good feel when his three's going in when you see decent ball rotation because he doesn't shoot it the same way every time. He's not consistent, but he gets to the glass. He had seven boards against TCU. He was the only guy to, to be on the positive side of the uh, the play hard chart. He scored 18 points, which is a little bit out of the ordinary, but he had three assists, three steals. He's getting on the deck, and I think slowly but surely he's starting to figure out who he is, what his role is on the team, and what he's got to bring to the table on a game by game basis. And when he does that, he is going to make everybody around him better. Whether you're talking about Nigel Pack or whether you're talking about Davion Bradford from A to Z, he's going to make everybody better around him. Is he the, is he the leader on this team yet? No, it's still in Mike McGurl's hands, but as a junior and senior coming up that he's going to be one of those guys that's going to have to be the leader but he's continuing to evolve, and that is a must if this basketball team is going to get better, not just this year, but in the next couple of years because he's got the ingredients, he's got the desire, he's just got to eliminate the bad habits and the, the bad stuff from his game. Yeah, and, and I want just to tack on to that real quick, we talk about how young this team is all the time. I think that that is a great sign of maturity. Because got to remember, Deshaun's still a really young player too, and for a, a kid who's basically a season and a half in, who played sporadically last year off and on, at this point of his career, to to recognize, I'm not the player I envision myself being to do these things. I need to transform and try to do some of these other things to f- have some success. That's a huge step, and that kid deserves a lot of credit for recognizing what he's good at, what he's not good at, and being willing to implement those changes. That's that's a that's a big time maturity point there. Yeah, I would totally uh, agree with that, and uh, it's been very good to see the fact that. Uh, He's beginning to grasp his game. He still loves his three-pointers, but who doesn't? I know I did. Gills, um, as you sit there and watch this team, who else is popping off the page, so to speak, for you for this young team? And uh, a f- kind of a follow-up within the same question, 
Uh, even though they may not end up with a better record than last year, um, and it's all skewed by probably fewer games, too. It's going to be hard to tell. But uh, I'm more optimistic about this team than I was about last year's team at any point. Am I crazy? Not at all. I mean, you've talked about it a lot as well. Um, you know, I am happy. And, and whether we want to debate about how we got here with, you know, last year's frustrations and the rebuild, that's up for debate. That's another conversation. But, you know, here we are um, and we've got this freshman class. Yeah, I'm super excited about them. Uh, to answer your, your first question, though, I don't know if I can really give you one. It's really it's, it's been kind of, you know, who wants to step up on any given night? And that's not really a, a bad problem to have. You know, we've seen Pat go off. We've seen Bradford, you know, the Iowa State game. He was, you know, slamming home alley-oops. You know, McGurl's the senior leader who can, you know, who has that potential. We've talked about Dejuan here. So, I mean, really, it's it's, it's anyone on any, any given night. I don't know if there is any one, um, you know, player that I'm more excited about than the other. Maybe moving forward three or four years down the line, I'd, I'd go with probably Nigel Pack or, or Davion just because of, of – I, I would say actually to answer that Davion just because of his – He's still super raw, and you can see that in his game. He's got some, you know, bright upside to his game, but he can get in the weight room. You know, <clears throat> excuse me, if the coaching staff can develop him, then I'm really excited about about Davion. Matt, who's jumping out for you? Well, the two guys. I, I mean, Nigel and Davion, just because they're they're when I say they're the future of the program. There's a lot of guys around them, but. Of, of everything that's that's gone into my two eyes this year, Nigel stands out because Nigel is going to be uh, he's going to have lots of he's going to have a lot of bits and pieces to him when his career is done at K State. What I mean by that is he's got he's got a little and I'm talking recent guy. He's got a little Kamau Stokes in him right now. He's got a little Barry Brown in him right now, but he's only a freshman. Um, and he's got he's got a little bit of Dean Wade in him right now. Where I'm going with that is, again, who's who's taking the clutch shots right now? Got it. Yep. It's Nigel Pack. Who are they designing shots for? It's Nigel Pack. Davion Bradford's right there because K-State finally has a big guy that can play the game that can score, that can defend, that wants to. He's got things to learn, but there's your ins your inside-outside tandem right there. But Nigel Pack is is a pretty good defender already. He's got a smooth stroke. And when I say he's got a little Barry Brown in him, it's and Jake can speak to this. Um, you know, before Christmas fits and we were talking with Schwartzy and, and with uh, Josh Reed, he, he's just young enough. He doesn't know about being a leader yet, and it's really hard to be a leader. And I don't know if he's going to be that outspoken or vocal leader, um, but he keeps doing what he's doing. He's gonna, he is going to have command of this team. And it's one thing uh, that I just think is so incredibly important is when you have a floor general at the point and that floor general is on the same wavelength with the head coach, meaning knowing what to do, when to do it, how to do it, why to do it, where to do it, and so forth, then your team's going to be that much better. If you have the coach that's yelling out play after play and what to run in the offensive set, I hate that. It drives me bonkers. But 
Nigel Pack's going to develop into that point guard that when he sees it, he's going to know what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. And I just think the sky's the limit for that kid. Jay, Nigel Pack's one of those guys on your team that when the game's on the line, it's not that he wants the ball in the hand, in his hands. You need him to have the ball in his hands. And I, I kind of feel the same way about Selton Miguel. Really raw. I recognize how raw this kid is. He is the epitome of an AAU talent. You can see that he just likes to go up and down and he hasn't fully developed his skills. But again, he strikes me as a guy that game's on the line. He's already shown that. I'm going to make the play. I want the ball. I also need the ball. And having a couple of those guys is just a huge benefit to a coach. It makes a coach look smarter because they take care of stuff, don't they? Yeah, and it's, I mean, this might be one instance where being so young is a benefit to K-State because, you know, there, there were a couple of instances last year where I think you could see that Deshaun was pretty frustrated with wanting to step up into more of a leadership role, but there were upperclassmen there that, you know, were either passively or actively blocking his ability to do that. And so when you're a talented freshman, you come in, you have those leadership capabilities, you know, it's hard when you have upperclassmen that are telling you what your place is. Here, everyone's freshman. Everyone's a sophomore. You know, everyone's young. And so a kid like Nigel Pack or Selton or whatever has the ability to take the reins and go get it and and command that respect from the get-go as if they were a junior or a senior. Um, and so I, I think that that is, is one of the benefits of, of being young. And, you know, and you have kids who want the ball. And I think that the, the next step will be, understanding, yes, I may want the ball, but what's my role in this? Like you go back to the Omaha game where, uh, you know, Selton Miguel may have wanted that shot, but, you know, he was also willing to um, sit back and let someone else take it if it needed to. But, but if it came to him, he, he was ready for it. And I think uh, the last thing is to follow up on Matt's point is, I really like how K-State's done a better job of feeding the post with Bradford, and I'm hoping that we can get um, um, Isiagu back and uh, Monty Murphy back and start playing with our back to the basket a little bit. And one of the things that um, Steve Forbes, who's now awake when I was at Barton County, used to say everyone is, we talk about penetrating the paint, and everyone talks about thinking that off the dribble drive, you can penetrate by throwing the ball into the post. When you throw the ball into the post and you have someone like Davion Bradford that commands that respect, it forces the defense to rotate. It forces someone to come over and help on a double team. And, and that has the same effect as if you were going to drive into the paint and draw a defender and be able to, to kick it. On offense, you just, you always, what you want to do is do things that force the defense to rotate rather than just standing there. And when you have someone like Davion on Bradford and you can play through the post, you're penetrating the ball to the, to the paint and forcing the defense to react, to react. And that's going to create a lot of different options elsewhere. I agree. That guy, very quick. Sorry, Fitzy. And I, I might get a smirk out of Jay when I say this. That guy needs to live in a 15 foot space. He needs to be, he needs to be no further. He should shoot about a thousand shots a day. From 10 feet and in on the baseline and from both elbows, he's already got a left hand, which is nice to see. But that kid has a chance to be just a real booger in the Big 12 if he will live within that small rectangle and get in shape both physically and mentally. He He's going to be a guy that people will not want to deal with down the road. Think about how much you, you, and I'm not saying he is, he's not as a bookie from KU, 
But K-State against finally got a guy that's going to scare somebody in the post and in the pivot if he'll just grow his game. He is going to be a nightmare for people to deal with down the road. Yeah, he, he, he's not the physical specimen that Azubuki was, but he's already more skilled than Azubuki was by far. Uh, he is he is a better basketball player than Azubuki was um, right now. And, 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 Matt, we talked about this on one of the podcasts that you weren't on. That, that's what I think is one of the best things about Bradford's game is when's the last time you saw him take a bad shot? Um, you know, he's, he's not out there trying to – the kid knows what he does and does what he knows. And he may not be successful every time, but he's not out there trying to be the seven-footer who can shoot three-pointers. He's trying to be the seven-footer that dunks over everybody. And if, once he gets that done pretty good, then, then, then that'll be all he needs to do, and everything else is just gravy on top of that. His bad shot is not drop-stepping and ramming it off of somebody's forehead. When he goes up soft with it, tries to lay it over the front of the rim, no, that's not your role in the world. Your world is to put Spalding or Russell or Mikasa or whatever it is on that dude's forehead down under the bucket. Yep. Damn, that was my game too. Yeah, that was it. Right at the buffet line at, right. at Whiskey Creek or whatever exactly. in Salina. Well, it's, it translates. It translates. Get away. That is my potato. That's it for this edition of the Insiders. Gills, I, I, I left you out there at the end. I still love you, man. It's okay. It's okay. Love you too. I had topics, but we need to move on. We will have a questions podcast later in the week. Gills will have his 10 of 12 podcast tomorrow. At GoPowerCat.com, I'm intrigued to find out what that one's going to be about. Maybe he'll just have a Texas party. Everything's Texas right now. They blow out KU in basketball, and they get their ninth head coach in the past two years in football. (laughs) True story. They've hired more head coaches than seasons as they move on from Tom Herman in something that, frankly, shocked me. I thought he'd saved himself for another year. So be it. Texas will Texas. And next week, we will talk more K-State sports on the PowerCat Insiders podcast. PowerCat podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing. Okay. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road, any road, the steeper the better. Because my all new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.